You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Uh, it's great to come together and celebrate uh, who we are in Christ and what God makes us. And uh, what an amazing thing that not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is, we can be set apart and called by his voice for something uh, something greater than ourselves. And uh, it's exciting. I just heard that uh, uh, a son who's gone away uh, to another place but is still part of South Bay and always will be part of South Bay is getting baptized today. That is Sam Reganti is getting baptized today. So uh, the Reganti family, you know, has been a part of South Bay forever. And um, I remember when he was first born, you know, after three girls, they had a boy, you know. And uh, it's amazing. He's getting baptized today. So we celebrate with the Rianti family. So if you're visiting with us, uh, we are so glad that you're here. Uh, we love uh, meeting new people. We love uh, leading others into the scriptures. And uh, we have been talking here about who we are, this community right here, the South Bay Church. Uh, we did a, a, a sermon series kind of just coming out of the summer called Citizens of Heaven, talking about what it means to belong to God and what it means to be Christians. And we are... Uh, now kind of honing in on what does it mean to be in South Bay? Like, who are we and what are we doing? And so we talked last week about why do we go to church? And so if you missed that, you can see that on our YouTube channel. But why are we even here on Sunday? What are we even doing here? And one of the things we talked about, uh, the, the title of this series is called This Is Us, uh, just who we are as a, as a community, why we do what we do. But we talked about how really we're, it's a family meal. We're gathering around the table. And there's something so special about a family meal. We're about to go into that season, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, these times where you see people maybe you haven't seen all year. And there's just something special about gathering around the table in fellowship. And that's what every Sunday should be as we gather around the table remembering Jesus as we take the bread and we take the cup, which represents his body and his blood. And that time makes us different. That time forms us into Christ. Who we are as a community should be forming each one of us to be more and more like Jesus, uh, as we were singing about. And as Jesus did in the world, we are to do in the world. We are the body of Christ, the, the Bible teaches. So Jesus is now gone, and he's with the Father in heaven, and he's reigning on high, and he has turned the kingdom of God over to us for a time. And so we are to do his work in the world. And unfortunately, his, uh, you know, as history tells us, Christians or those called by the name of Christian, whether they're true Christians or not, have, have not had a great track record of what they've done in the name of Jesus. And I've been studying a lot of church history lately, kind of reading these different books, and I helped teach a class for our, intern, uh, our, our interns uh, down in San Diego, and so I spent a lot of time just reading church history. It's a little bit depressing. Do you know what I mean? Because so many things were done in the name of Jesus that's like the opposite of Jesus, like killing people, for example. Uh, or killing lots of Muslims, you know, in the Crusades or whatever, you know, just these things that are like in the name of Jesus, torturing people to see if they're really a Christian, you know, like the Spanish Inquisition, and just these things that are like, wow, that just, we went so off the rails. And, and it's easy to kind of look back in judgment at that stuff, but, you know, even today, in my own heart, I can, I can, I can hold on to things, calling them Christian or calling them a spiritual identity that are really not Jesus-like. And so we want to be a, a, a church where we're Always going back to Jesus. You know, there's all these different issues. There's all these different things, but we always want to go back to Jesus. And it can be a little messy. I talked about last week how we are a church that gathers around 
not only the table, but the word of God. And as we each are bringing the word of God to this community, it should be this kind of wrestling with each other. Well, here's what I see the Bible saying. Well, here's what I see the Bible saying and, and the Holy Spirit leading us. And as a community, we, we believe the Spirit will lead us into truth and becoming more and more like Christ as a Christ-formed community. But it was like that in the first century. You know, what, what, what we tend towards is empire. We want to, like, control. We want clear outcomes. We want to just... And, and so you see that in church history. We always keep going back to systems of control or ways of, of bringing empire into the church. And that's what happened in the church. And then you see these patterns repeated over and over where then the spirit kind of blows it up and, 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 and then God is working. And then, I mean, God is always working. But, you know, you just see this cycle again and again. And uh, even in the early church, it wasn't like kind of a command and control structure. It was a little bit uh, the Wild West. And so I want to show you a, just a glimpse into that, and you'll see how this ties into our, uh, our, our topic today. So turn to Galatians 2. Uh, the title of the lesson is The Very Thing, and uh, I'll get to this, but I want to kind of give you the context. So Galatians 2, as you're turning there... Uh, Galatians, I really believe, and I won't get into the nerdy details why, but I believe that Galatians is the first of all the New Testament books we have, meaning it's the first book that was actually written down. It's very, very early, and uh, pretty early in Paul's ministry, and he's writing to Galatia, the, the disciples in Galatia. Galatia is not a city, but it's an area of all these different cities where he had planted churches, and it's different. You see a progression of Paul his character in his writing and Galatians is one where he's just really just raw and, and uncut, you know, just like he, he's very, like he says things like, I wish those guys would just go to hell. <laughs> I mean, it's been translated a little bit cleaner, but that's kind of what he says, you know? Uh, and then he says stuff like, you know, these people that are forcing people to get, get circumcised. I wish they would just cut the whole thing off. I mean, they're, you know, he's just, Whoa. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you can research that on your own, but Paul is pretty, and, and in most of his letters, he, he, he kind of starts with, he starts with, wow, you guys are awesome, and I really love you, and you love me, and, and God has done all these great things, and, you know, he starts positive, and then he gets to, like, his challenge. Galatians, not at all. He just comes out of the gate like, Galatians, what is wrong with you? You know, who has, who has led, who has bewitched you means, like, you're crazy. Somebody has made you crazy. That's how he starts the letter to the Galatians. But, but the reason he was, was doing that is because there was these, these different thoughts of what does it mean to be a Christian now? And if you, if you follow the narrative of God's people, as we've, as we've been talking about with the Citizens of Heaven a series, you know, God called this people out of Egypt and he set them apart for his purpose. And he said, you are going to be for me a kingdom of priests. You are my treasured possession. You are, you are like special. And even though you were slaves in Egypt, where your identity is just how many bricks you can make, and you're just a body, you know, you're just, you're, you're just a, a tool, you're just a machine. Now you're going to belong to me. And so I give you the Sabbath. In fact, I'm demanding that every, once every seven days you not work because I want you to be reminded of who you are, that I love you for who you are. And, and you are my treasured possession. And it's not about the work that you produce. You're not a human doing, you're a human being, as we say in our church sometimes. And so he forms us people and then uh, he gives them the Torah. He gives them the, this instruction so that they can be a new kind of, uh, of community, a new kind of, of, of kingdom. And, and yet, you know, we see the, our, our own humanity. We keep leading us astray. And uh, I'm, I'm studying the, the Judges, Book of Judges right now. And there's this cycle of, you know, where over and over again, 
that the people get off track and then God redeems them and then, and then things go bad or they get off track and then things go bad and God redeems them. Just a cycle that all of us have experienced probably, you know, we're, we're up and down, ups and downs. And hopefully you have huge peaks and valleys as a young Christian and then you, they get more like this, you know, <laughs> hopefully on your upward trajectory to be becoming more and more like Jesus. But, but, uh, but when you read the, the prophets and what God had said this new kingdom would be and this new Messiah would be and what kind of kingdom he would establish, it seems very clear that God is bringing all nations to Jerusalem and God is bringing all people into his community of faith that he's already established and he's given them the Torah and he's given them the prophets. And now this is going to be a light for all Gentiles, all nations, all people. You are a kingdom of priests. Like you, they, through you, they will come to God. And, and uh, it really seems like all these people are going to now become Jews. That's really, when you just read it straightforward, it looks like, okay, the Jewish kingdom is going to be established. And that's really even what Jesus' followers believed. They were all Jews. And at the beginning of Acts, they say, um, you know, are you at this time going to establish the kingdom to Israel, reestablish the kingdom? Jesus, they asked Jesus. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know all these things that God is doing, but just wait and the Holy Spirit's going to guide you. So you are not, you are not the author of the story, apostles. You are just a tool for the Spirit. The Spirit is the author of the story. The Spirit is the one that's going to move the thing forward, that's going to move the kingdom forward. And so this thing happens that is unexpected, and that is that Gentiles start being welcomed into the faith. And, and, and so that becomes this controversy of, well, aren't they supposed to become Jewish? And so there's, there's, it was a huge thing in the early church of, do, is, everybody, is it going to be this Jewish nation established, or is it okay to just kind of add on Jesus as my Lord, just like in our, in our empire, Caesar is Lord. Now, no, I'm going to replace Caesar with Jesus. Jesus is Lord. And what does that mean? What does that look like? And Acts 15 kind of explains that, uh, that dilemma. But that's what Paul is writing about in Galatians, is he, has, he is the one that's on the forefront of helping Gentiles become Christians. And the Holy Spirit has really convicted him that they don't have to become Jews. They don't have to get circumcised. They don't have to follow all the uh, the dietary restrictions, they don't have to celebrate all of these festivals. They need to have a sexual ethic that is, that is pure, that is like God, that reflects God. And they need to abstain from things that are idolatry, like eating food sacrificed to idols and some of these things. They need, to, they need to have a life that's different, but they don't have to be Jewish. That's where Paul comes down, and that's where the Holy Spirit leads the whole community. But that's a big controversy. And at the time Galatians was written, it hadn't been settled yet. I don't think Acts 15 has happened yet. And so Paul is writing about this controversy and this, this issue, this tension in the churches, and, and he's kind of telling his own story, how he fits into it. And he tells in chapter 1 his story of the conversion, him going and meeting with these apostles, and so that's where we kind of pick it up in chapter 2. After 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders I presented them the gospel that I preached among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. The matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so the truth of the gospel may, might be preserved for you. So he's talking about his interaction with Jerusalem. That's the headquarters of the church and interacting with the apostles. And he uses kind of a little bit of sarcasm when he's talking about their leadership. I, at least see what you think. That's what it seems like to me. Like he says, he says those who were 
meant, you know, like something like, uh, what does he say? Those who were esteemed as leaders. Here he goes, as for those who were held in high esteem, this is verse 6, whatever they are makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. <laughs> That's a little bit of a dig on the apostles there. You know what I mean? Like, God's working through me. God's already doing something. I get that other people appreciate these guys. I, don't, I just read that because I like it because it's human. It's real. You know, like, this is how we are sometimes with leadership in our church. Like, I don't know who that guy is or what he thinks he's doing. Blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a, I think God wants us to head towards unity. But even Paul, this guy that God used, he's kind of wrestling here with what to think about some of these guys. Verse 7, on the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So he's saying, my, my goal, I'm the apostle to the Gentile world, which, by the way, is like huge. <laughs> you know, these guys, they're, they're reaching the Jews. And that's, that's what was needed at that time and in that, in, in that era. Uh, so then he says, verse 9, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, again, kind of a little sarcastic, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they re recognized the grace given me. They agreed we should go to the Gentiles, they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. And then he goes on and talks about this, this conflict he had with Peter over this issue that that we're talking about, the Gentile-Jew controversy and how you should treat other people. What happened is Paul was, uh, Paul witnessed something. G uh, Peter's hanging out with these Gentiles and he's eating with them and doing everything, you know, because he, he, he is kind of, he's on the track of, okay, Gentiles don't have to become Jews. But then some people from Jerusalem come who, you know, they don't have that perspective. And so then all of a sudden he stops hanging out with those guys anymore and he's only hanging out with the Jewish people. You know, and so that Paul really sets him off, and he challenges him here in the next chapter. And and uh, you know, I, I turn turn to this passage sometimes with people when they've experienced hurt in the church, and just say, how would it feel to be one of those people that Peter did that to you? How would that feel? You know, that's not right. He would feel like, but you know what? It's still this is the very early church. Like this is still God's church. Even if we sin against each other, even if leaders mess up, I just want to let you know, leaders will mess up. And, and it doesn't mean it's okay or, or think you, you will be hurt by other human beings because we're all human beings and we hurt each other. But, but that's why we have Jesus, right? And that's why we have the scriptures to keep calling us back to unity. Does that make sense? Are you with me there? Um, I, I'm not trying to be negative. It's just this is the reality of, of human beings in the church, you know? And, and, but, but the thing is, is that God worked through all that. And Peter and Paul came to total unity. And if you read Acts 15, what I see is that Paul influenced Peter in this story, and Peter ends up influencing the whole kingdom of God. And so the whole kingdom of God comes down in unity saying, okay, we don't have to be, Gentiles don't have to become Jews. We can have this Gentile ministry. It's God's working through it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's going to be awesome. But God uses that time of wrestling with the scriptures together. And, and, and we're in kind of a time like that uh, in a family of churches, wrestling with different things. There's different tensions. We used to have a church and we're going to talk about the ICOC structure next week and kind of how it is structured. We used to have a more top-down hierarchical structure in the 90s, and God changed that, and now it's very much a collective, and it's a cooperative, and, and it's a little more messy, and it's a little more like the first century, you know, where you have different people who are kind of have different opinions, but we're praying that as we, long as we stay around the table of fellowship, that God will continue to lead us to unity. 
We just got to stay around the fellowship and around the table of communion and keep the Bible open and keep talking and God's going to work it out. But I love this part. And this is where we're getting to our topic today. All they asked, this is the apostles to, to Paul. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Even as there's different issues that the enemy wants to divide us right now, divide our country, to divide the world to divide human population to divide our own church you know one thing i think we all are united on is we need to help people we need to love people we need to be like jesus to people we need to help people who are in need and the apostles are like you know this is gonna we're gonna figure this out here's the main thing paul just please remember the poor the very one thing make sure you're remembering those less fortunate and, and the people in Jerusalem were the poor. They, they, were, they were in need there. And, and so they're even appealing to, hey, help us out, Paul. As you're reaching all these influential, wealthy Gentiles, don't forget us, these impoverished Jews in Jerusalem. And, and so I love that our church is, uh, it, it, we continue to kind of enforce or reinforce this, this idea of remembering those less fortunate. I need it. I need to give to those less fortunate. And we have a long-standing partnership with Hope Worldwide, which is that organization was, was created to help our fellowship of churches around the world leverage, leverage all of our efforts and then interact with the world and, and corporate donors and things like that to be able to have real impact around the world with those who are less fortunate or those who are in need. And so that's, the, that's what we're really highlighting today is this very thing, this very thing of serving those less fortunate. And so... Even though there's other things that we can be concerned about, even though there's other things that might get our attention, I think the Spirit wants to keep drawing us back to that. Let's remember those less fortunate. Let's remember those in need. Let's remember the poor. And uh, we're really blessed that uh, Holly Toomey works for Hope Worldwide, and uh, so she's very familiar with the kind of work that Hope is doing. And uh, we give to, to Hope all year long. A lot of us uh, contribute every week to Hope Worldwide. Some of us give one lump sum. Uh, we can give through the church. We can give directly to Hope. There's different ways we can do it. But, but we're going to be hearing more about the projects and the things that Hope is doing around the world. So we're going to have a short video talking about Hope and Hope's mission. And then Holly is going to come up and Elaine is going to share as well about some local projects and things that we can do to help those more in need. Amen. So let's, uh, let's watch this video. We recognize there are so many ways to inspire greater hope in the world. We know many people are offering prayer and petition and also volunteering time and talent. But at this moment, we are asking you to give financially so that others can thrive. Consider the impact that you can have as you hear directly from our neighbors who have been helped. It's impossible to believe that tightly we can be connected one to the other and how much we can do together to bring good to this dark world. Це люди. Я пишаюсь нашими волонтерами, які відкинули думки про власну безпеку чи комфорт, згуртувались і достатньо швидко стали профі у своєму служінні. Дякую від імені родин, від імені сотні родин за допомогу. I love the Lebanese community. It's so loving, it's so inviting. I've been serving with Hope Lebanon since I was young, and it's helped my family because it's united us. We've been always doing this together. We've been always serving together, going to help the elderly, uh, to help the poor, spread food parcels. I see that each person I've interacted with in Hope really want to serve and really want to show the importance of Christ and Christ's love through the service. Together, we inspire greater hope. 
hace siete años. Seven years ago, my daughter was born, and she was born with a problem with her heart through the friendship with every volunteer doctor that came in representation of Hope White. We were able to make a connection with a doctor from the United States that came to operate here in Honduras. Thanks to this connection, my daughter is alive today. Thank you, Hope White, for being a blessing in our lives. Thank you, Hope White, for loving Honduras and for showing the love of God in our country. Thank you. Every year, over one million people are receiving love and assistance from Hope Worldwide programs. This impact is only made possible by faithful financial support for our global mission. You can help children unlock their potential. You can come alongside the vulnerable with love and resources. You can satisfy tangible needs and help restore a genuine community. Please help inspire greater hope by making your donation today. Well, good morning, family. So great to see you. I love Fallback Sunday, right? Yes. Like the morning time. Like I got so much done this morning. It was now at 4:30. I'm going to be super mad that it's dark, but right now I love Fallback Sunday. So I'm really grateful that I get a chance to share during this time when everyone's awake and feeling great about themselves. So. Um, my name is Holly Toomey. So I just have to clarify. So two weeks ago, Brian came to me and said, hey, I really want to um, maybe talk about some of the things that are going on with Hope Worldwide. Do you think you can help me? So what I heard was, do you think you can send me some notes and slides and maybe tell me like what I, you know, some things I can share, what, what he can share about? That's what I heard. So I'm like, oh, sure, yeah, no problem. And um, so last Sunday... He comes up, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, he's probably going to say, hey, send me those slides. And um, I'm like, hey. And he goes, okay, so I've allotted like 20 minutes for you to share. I literally had an out-of-body experience. I, and I think I nodded. I think he told me other stuff. I'm not sure exactly what the words were. So I just preface that to say, if you like what you hear, thank the Holy Spirit. If you don't, like, blame Brian. <laughs> so, um, so here we go. Here we go. Um, my name's Holly Toomey. My husband and I have been part of South Bay for 20 years, over 20 years now. Um, many of you might not know, I am a social worker by training. I have my master's in social work from 1996 which was just a couple years ago, I'm sure. But to some of you, you're like, I wasn't even born. Um, and uh, I've been working for Hope Worldwide for six years now. I um, work for US chapters, and I'm in charge of um, all this screening for any program that we have that we're working with children. We make sure that all those volunteers are safe and our kids are safe. So we do screening and safety training. So that's kind of what I do with them. And um, I'm really excited to just kind of share with you about really service and community and some of the things that Hope Worldwide is doing. Um, I, for some of you who are like, I'm not sure I know what Hope Worldwide is, 30 years ago, we actually just had our 30th anniversary, which is crazy. 30 years ago, um, members of our church 
we're like, you know what, we feel like we really need to have the full gospel of Jesus. And, and maybe we're not, we, we love reaching out to people. Of course, people need to become Christians. But we really need to be in our community as well, serving people. And so Hope Worldwide was born. 30 years ago. So uh, most of the things that, and things that you might, if you haven't heard about what we've been doing lately, you might know about some of the things that we've done in India. You hear about the leper colony that was built. You might hear about the um, Sienok Hospital in Cambodia, which are all amazing things. But we're doing some amazing things even, even now. So um, I just wanted to share a little bit about um, some of those things, but um, before I do, I wanted to talk a little bit about just community, and um, oh, okay, tell me, okay, here we go. So um, we believe, as many of you also believe, that the primary um, parts of Jesus's ministry was to provide support to our neighbors, local and global, during their time of need, and we see this theme through the scriptures. This happens so many times in the Bible. Um, from God, he tells the Israelites, actually, when you're traveling to the promised land, I want you to put the elderly and the sick in the middle because we don't want, we want them right in the community and we want people serving them and loving them and thinking about them. Um, when you read in the New Testament about the fields and they're commanded to leave part of their um, crops in the fields for people who might need something. And don't give it to them. Let them, they can come in, they can, you know, let the, preserve their dignity, but please remember people who are experiencing um, poverty. I, I think about, um, you know, he's constantly warning about not ignoring those around you who need a little help. And even in the ministry of Jesus, where we see Jesus constantly healing and feeding and thinking about people. This is really part of our Christianity, right? Like not something else we do on top of being a Christian, but part of our whole full Christianity. And um, our goal at Hope Worldwide is that every member of our family of churches, plus our friends, our neighbors, our families, will engage consistently in the full ministry of Jesus, which of course includes sharing Jesus with people, caring and loving each other, and also engaging with our neighbors who are materially poor or in need. So um, the goal of Hope Worldwide is every person engaged and every engagement transforming. So if you're like, what exactly does Hope Worldwide or what are, the, what are your goals? We have three things that I think that we're, to, you can't do everything, right? Because then nothing's really great. So we're like really focusing on three different things. So um, our first thing is volunteer mobilization. And so this is done mostly in the U.S. This is what we focus on. We train, equip, and support over 150 volunteer-led organizations. So just like we have like our South Bay Hope Worldwide chapter, we have 150 chapters across the U.S. that are in their community because I'm not going to tell Boston what they need, because I don't live in Boston, and I don't know, and I don't know that community, but guess what? The disciples in that community know their community. So we, we encourage different um, chapters across the U.S. So right now we have over 150, we had over 100,000 unique volunteers in the U.S. Um, last year, which is pretty, pretty amazing, yeah. And I think disciples love to serve. I mean, let me tell you, other organizations will call us and go, we can get the money, we can get everything, we just can't get people to help. And we're like, great, we have no money, but we have a ton of people <laughs> who love to help. And so we have so many, 
guess who comes to us, American Red Cross? I mean, everyone's sort of like, they love us. The, the UN, the, we're taught, we are in the ear of a lot of amazing people because of our good-hearted disciples who love to serve. So thank you very much. I know that so many of us really have a heart, and so many have served. Um, gosh, anytime I put out an ask or there's been an ask, it's like overwhelming. So I know that I'm very grateful for um, the service of the, from the South Bay and from uh, disciples across the U.S., and um, we do this because we believe that engaging with local neighbors during their time of need is the primary way to share the love of Jesus. So we do volunteer mobilization. We also do disaster response here locally in the U.S. and also globally. Um, we're heading into hurricane season. Um, so you will be probably seeing a lot of maybe some asks or things going on. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and so I'm very grateful. I, I, I hate to say this out loud, but I almost kind of would take an earthquake over a hurricane, but I'm not sure because I've never been in a hurricane, but they're very scary. So um, so we were on the ground in Florida just recently, so we do a lot of um, in-disaster response. We partner a lot with Feed the Children, American Red Cross. Um, and then also our third bucket that we do is community development. And um, a lot of that is done, especially in the majority world nations. We used to call them third world nations, but the majority world nations. Um, we help the communities to thrive and find um, services within their community. So um, so what is, what is Hope Worldwide or what is U.S. programs do? Here in the U.S., our vision is that every one of us would engage with our neighbors who are materially poor or in need, not just annually or quarterly, but on a day-to-day -day basis as part of our lifestyle um, because we believe Jesus modeled that lifestyle for us. So we provide training, resources across the churches, not only to continue to inspire that lifestyle, but also to help us engage locally in our community. We talk about ways to ensure that our service is relational, right, so that we can help our neighbors, but they can also help us right back. And we can build bridges and share the love of Jesus, strengthening communities for everyone. And we also um, provide practical ideas about how we can move towards efforts which open doors for empowerment of our neighbors, using our blessings and resources to support opportunities for them, because we know that this can lead to lasting change, and also we all need to change. And so um, some of the key ideas, and I think this might be maybe kind of radical, like things that maybe we hadn't thought about. We're learning a lot in the industry of nonprofit and just kind of, you know, over years of just really being with people, not just Hope Worldwide. I'm talking this is like um, ideas that are just coming down that um, top down, just like kind of Brian said, like no one likes kind of top down, right? Like I don't want to be told what to do. If I'm Boston, you know, why are you coming in here telling me what I need in my community? I'm picking up Boston because I'm looking right at Calvin and Elaine. I'm sorry, I have nothing against Boston. I just am looking right at them and um, saying Boston. Okay, thank you. Sorry, Boston. Um, but no one wants to be like, who are you coming in my community telling me what? Or what if, like, do you hate, sometimes when I get unsolicited advice of stuff, I'm going like, you don't know me. Like, I don't, I, you know, I try to have a good heart, but I'm like, you know, wrestling kind of stuff. The same, it goes for the nonprofit sector as well. Like, um, we don't want to go in kind of telling people 
what they need. Um, we want to partner with people, help them figure out their strengths in their community, and realize that we all are the same under Jesus, right. you know. So the first key idea, um, poverty is relational, not just material, and we all have it. You know, sometimes we think of poverty like, like I don't have any money, or, you know, man, I can't go get that coffee, or gosh, I wish I could get new whatever, you know, like, but poverty can be so many different things. And I think that, you know, I'm sure that everyone here has experienced some kind of broken relationship in their life. Guess what? You have a poverty in that relationship. I, um, we've seen over the past few years so many broken relationships in our community in between things. You know, those are poverty, right? So we all have poverty, and we're all on the same level playing field. It's not me coming down to help you. It's us really helping each other. Um, so mutual collaborative outreach is often more dignity-preserving and helpful than one-way giving, right? Like, I think about... Um, Sometimes when I've gone in with a great heart, like brought things to families who maybe um, materially they, they needed um, some assistance, and I've gone in and like the dad has walked out the back door. And I, initially I thought, man, that's so rude, you know? But I'm not realizing like, I'm sure that he's like, gosh, I can't even provide for my own family. Other people need to come in here to help. Like it just probably wasn't as dignified as it should have been where if I was like hey family here's a gift card is this how how do you need help oh we need help with dinner here's a gift card why don't you go shopping for the things that you want and the dad can come home and feel like I have provided for my like these are just they seem so simple, but they're just radical concepts to the way that we serve, right, in the U.S. And so I think that we're always trying to think of how can we preserve people's dignity, right? And um, the third thing is empowering strength can have greater impact than addressing weakness. So sometimes we might go in and help someone, but then guess what? We're out of there, right? right? Like, so how much better is it to be like, hey, did you know that there's actually um, a community center in your neighborhood that is helping people, you know, who have just come to our country? Let me connect you with them, and then they will walk with you across time, right? Like, how much better is that than me to come in with my one-time thing and then kind of be out. So we're really trying to help people figure out, you know, sometimes when you figure it out on your own, you're like, oh yeah, you know, whether someone telling you and they're like, yeah, don't tell me what to do. So um, maybe I'm just the one who is like, don't tell me what to do. Um, so, um, so what does full engagement look like? So imagine with me what the local area or our local neighborhood would look like if every person supported our neighbors who are in need of a little help, not just annually or quarterly, but week to week on a day-to-day -day basis, or even if just everyone here took time to stop and connect with your neighbors, look them in the eye, treat them like an equal, um, neighbor um, with dignity and honor, and even become friends with them. If we did this with our elderly neighbors, I'm sure we have neighbors who are possibly new to our country. Neighbors, I mean, let me tell you, this time of year, I love the holidays, and anyone who's been to my house knows I have an issue with um, having too many decorations. <laughs> but um, I love the holidays, but let me tell you, the holidays are one of the most lonely, highest rate of suicide. There's 
imagine if, like, when I'm telling you broken relationships, you don't have any family. Like, this is a time to be with family, and there's so many people who don't. So even in on your street, <laughs> there are people who are in need. So um, um, imagine how people would see the face of Jesus day after day if we all live this way, right? Um, so just to share a couple of the things, this is a slide um, um, from our Ohio State, because I have a Buckeye I had to represent here. Um, but Ohio State, there's a school in Columbus, and most of the school has a lot of kids who have just come to the country, um, don't know the language very well. So the campus ministry there reached out to the school and is like, hey, can we do like, we can do, I don't know, what do you need? You know, they came to the school like, I don't know, what kind of things? And they were like, we actually just need people to do English to kind of, so the, the um, campus ministry came in. You can see that. I love this photo. They came in, and they have kind of like this conversation club. They do tutoring. The kids talk with them about what are some, you know, cool things from your country. What are some foods? Um, a lot of these kids, they've invited the families of these kids to come in to show the campus ministry, hey, this is what it's like in Afghanistan, or this is what it's like in Nigeria. Or, and um, it's just been such a great reciprocal relationship building time for them. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool. You know, we just finished in August our um, inner beauty pageant. I mean, what a great way that went the whole month of um, August, and Maureen has done such a great job in connecting us with the Department of Children's Services, and it's just such a great way for us to continue to build relationships with them. Um, so this also is going on in the U.S. For those of you who are in high school or young adults, the National Youth Advisory Council, if you're interested in being on that, I love it. They teach servant leadership. There's one-to-one -one mentoring, um, and they really are encouraging young people to be in their community. So if that's something that you might be interested in, applications are open now. They close on November 18th, so um, that's a kind of cool thing. And I know, I think Gigi, you were part of NIAC, right? Yeah, yeah, Gigi was part of NIAC. Um, so also, I love this, community service brigades. Diane and Tess are like the queens, of our, den our regional dentists are the queens of, so if you're like, man, I really want to serve, but I don't have a week or two to go. This is kind of a long weekend. And so what community service brigades do is um, they actually go in the community. They're, we're connected with the churches that are there in Honduras, Guatemala. So we go to the members and we're like, hey, I'm sure you're connected with family or friends in your neighborhood that might need some medical help. Some, I mean, imagine like, I mean, COVID has completely wiped out countries, medical care. There's no backup. There's no government that's giving them money to kind of help them through the gap, right? And so um, a lot of them don't have regular doctors. Hope Worldwide is their regular doctor. And so um, so you can come in on it. We come in on a weekend. You saw on the video how we got um, the little girl connected with the um, heart surgeon. Um, so we also love non-medical people to come as well. So if that's something that you might be interested in, those are open right now. Those are the um, trips that we're going to do in um, 2023. But I love that we're thinking about our brothers and sisters, right? And, and so these are kind of trips for them. I know a lot of us have either friends or um, teens or have gone on our Hope Youth Corps. So uh, these... This opens on um, December 1st. This is kind of a longer trip, 
But um, I know so many, I think the Brittos have gone on Hope Youth Corps, like my teens, Gigi, Ryan, like a lot of the kids um, have done these Hope Youth Corps. So I love that they get to go into these communities, serve, and I also love that you just get to meet disciples from around the world with the same heart. So if this is something like as a, and it's, they're open for teens, singles, families. So it kind of used to be more like young people, but it's not anymore. So please check that out if you're um, interested in serving with your family. We also have um, scholarships available. We've had a lot of fundraisers, so we have scholarships available. So if you're like, I'd love to do it, it's just too expensive, um, check that out at the website as well. They're really life-changing times, so that's kind of cool. And um, uh, this is, uh, so we, all, we do... We do, um, we work in our community. We also do disaster response. So this is recently just um, from Hurricane Ian. This is in Florida. And um, we came in with our truck, That's and we bring in kind of water. We bring in, uh, we work with uh, Water to Wine, and they have like um, water filtration um, system. We come in with cleaning supplies. We reached out to all the local, because not everyone could come in to help. There weren't roads. There weren't anything. So we kind of reached out, got all the local churches on board, and they sent volunteers in to help. Um, but we've done that across the U.S. We do that across the globe. And so um, a lot of us, a lot of what we do is uh, disaster response. I love this. This is from 2019. Um, we partnered. American Red Cross gave us a million dollars. And be which is crazy that we are making that kind of impact that they're like, we believe in you. <laughs> and so they said, we've seen a lot with disasters, whether it be a hurricane, the fires that were recently, you know, in Northern California, and the kids are really traumatized. We're hoping that you can kind of come in and do some resilient, teach kids resiliency, like how to bounce back after difficult times, which I think all of us, need, right? But especially our kids as their brains are forming. So um, so we had a million dollars. We had several of these Spark Academies. They teach resiliency through theater, art, sports. Um, it's just incredible. When COVID happened, guess what? We didn't skip a beat with it. This is the flyer. We just transitioned online and these kids met with us online and um, just amazing. Like, we are shaping kids' brains, and they're going to be different as adults because of, you know, different connections that they've made in their brains. So that's pretty amazing. So um, this is from the Ukraine, $20 million we've got. So listen, Hope Worldwide does not have $20 million, but guess what? People, other companies respect what we do. They love the hearts of the disciples, and they're like, we don't have money, but we have medicine. We have, you know, whatever it is. So we gathered up from all of our partnerships that we have $20 million we were of medicine and supplies we were able to send to the Ukraine. And the only reason we were able to get in because our church and our connections in the Ukraine, the disciples have been serving in the Ukraine for years and years. We're not coming in as new people. The disciples have already been there and serving in the countries like, okay, we'll let you in. 20 million, I mean, imagine, these guys, I, I, I was reading the paper, you know, there's blackouts today and more bombing, I just can't even imagine living 
in something like that. I was reading on Facebook, um, one of the sisters saying, we're never sure if we're supposed to send our child to preschool because it might be closed and they tell it that there's bombings. And I mean, it's just like, I can't even imagine, but um, we're on the ground. Disciples are on the ground and uh, we've been able to um, help them out there, which is really cool. Um, this is another cool thing that we, so Sri Lanka is like, hey, wow, you guys have some connections. The ambassador of Sri Lanka reached out, crazy. And they're like, hey, we need some help. And because you're on the ground with Ukraine, I think we can somehow figure out a way to get help to us as well. Do you think you might be able to help us? And we were like, if God wants. And 2.7 million worth of urgent medical supplies for Sri Lanka, which is crazy, right? Um, this also, some more disaster response. During coronavirus, I'm, I think I was telling you that, um, listen, in other countries, it's like if, you know, everyone lost their job, right? Or everyone is at home, right? Sometimes the store is only open once a week and they have no money coming in, and the government is not giving them any money, right? I mean, it is like, if you're on a medication that you have to take, and all of a sudden the pharmacy's not open, and oh, I don't have a job to even pay for that medication, I mean, we are very, very, very lucky here. We don't even realize kind of what the rest of the world, and our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world, I'm not just talking to other people, I'm not talking to our brothers and sisters, our family in the other world is going on. So um, we had an um, amazing um, fundraiser. Uh, we raised over a million dollars, and um, we reached out to our churches in the majority world nations and said, hey, do you have people who need essential medication, who aren't eating, whatever? And we were able to um, help in our churches with our brothers and sisters with essential because of our generosity and, and giving, which is really cool. Um, this is our newest thing, which is so amazing. Um, Lend Hope. It's an app, which is kind of cool, right? And um, basically, it's kind of like crowdsourcing. I, I say app, and then I look at the young people like, hey, I said app. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I'm looking at Alex like, I know app. Um, so um, this is kind of like GoFundMe, right? So you know how you read about things and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really moved to help out this family. So what Lend Hope does is they also are working in majority world countries and they're working with businesses that just need the little push, right, to kind of um, be successful. And so they are in mentorship with us and kind of like a GoFundMe goes up. You can see it. We're crowdsourcing for them, and they get little micro loans. The crazy thing is it's like $100 or $200, which we think like, well, you know, that's Starbucks for the month, whatever. Like this is like could change their business and their life. So this is kind of like GoFundMe, but what happens, so they're being mentored in their business. Then when they're able to pay back, what they do is they go online and they find another business that they can help and lend a hand as well. So this is kind of our newest thing. It's on our app. If you want to check it out, um, it's at the app store. I'll stop saying app. Um, so that's Lend Hope. Um, this is, so we went, you know, there was so much kind of going, we know in, in Mexico, there's so much going on that we just have no idea of what it's like to live day to day and 
be in a country that maybe is not your own. So we approached the church there, approached the community and said, what do you need? Like, we don't, it's so overwhelming. We don't know how to help. And they said, you know what would actually be really helpful is for us to have a community center, something where people could come. We can do medical services there. We can do educational services there. And so Hope Worldwide worked with the community, hired, obviously, local people, worked in conjunction with what the local um, community needed, and we just recently opened the Center of Hope in Tijuana, which is cra- is changing the neighborhood, a safe place for kids to come after school. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, we also, so we do disaster response. We also do community development. This is, a, we have, so Lego, hello Lego, came to us and is like, hey, we want to partner with you. What kind of things are you doing in Africa? And we said, actually, we have this amazing early education program that we've been doing all along. Do you think you could supply, give us money, and supply some of these bricks? You can see they're the Lego bricks. And we're going to teach families about early education. We're going to teach kids about early education. We are literally changing, not we Jesus and that education is changing children's brain patterns, them. I mean, it's just amazing what somebody loving you and somebody really um, training and teaching. Listen, we all need help in our parentings, right? Parents, like, if you have a teen, you need a ton of help. I'm just telling you that, right? Young adults, forget about it. Like, they're a nightmare. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But um, we're doing some amazing things there. So um, India, you know, we've been in India the whole 30 years. India, our foundation there, named the top 20 um, nonprofit in India. We're doing, we have job, I mean, imagine job training. We're teaching people English and computers, disciples on the ground, not us coming in, disciples on the ground who are uh, members of the community are doing job training and people are going from making $100 a month to $1,000 a month. Like, imagine what that does for a family, right? Like, there's some great things going on in India. We just actually, we had our, um, the princess of Cambodia. That would be like Princess Kate and William for me. Like, the princess from Cambodia came to us and said, you know, Cambodia, I mean, wiped out in the late 70s with a Khmer Rouge. Like, literally anyone, all the doctors, I think there were three doctors left for the whole entire country. Um, they came, we partnered with them, and we trained a whole new set of doctors coming in. We just turned over the hospital. Hope Worldwide no longer runs this hospital. It is all Cambodian-led, Cambodian-trained doctors, people getting free health care, which is crazy. Crazy, right? So um, we're really doing really amazing things. So um, please join us, your brothers and sisters across the U.S., as we demonstrate Jesus' love and we honor and support each other. You can donate to Hope on the website. If you give on CCB, you can also say, you know, I want to donate so much to Hope Worldwide. The amazing thing is we have so many partners that if you donate a dollar, we turn it into $10, Because some companies, I mean, we have partners with Coca-Cola, KFC, Taco Bell, Red Cross, like Lego, like, they're like, hey, if you you can raise a dollar, we will match five 
dollars to that. Like, or we will match and give you medication or things like that. So just because you're like, I can only give five dollars a month, guess what? You just gave fifty. So, or is that five times five? You just gave twenty. What is the math? Someone help me. Fifty, right? Fifty. You just gave $50. Your $5, you just gave $50 a month. So don't ever underestimate, you know, kind of um, what you can do. So I hope that you're thinking about, you know, we, you can't go to, well, you could, but you probably won't go to Cambodia or India or wherever. But guess what? We are all in a community here in the South Bay, right? And so we're really working on building great partnerships in the South Bay that are relational, that are reciprocal. So I just wanted to tell you um, about a couple things, and Elaine's um, going to come up after me and tell you about a couple things, but um, we are really working on our partnership with the Department of Children and Family Services and the foster youth in our community. You would be amazed by how many people um, have broken relationships in their families. And so we had, you know, this summer, the inner beauty pageant, but one of the residential homes that these kids live at, they are like, do you think you can come and visit? Maybe bring some young guys, play some sports, come in. Um, I mean, dying for relationships. And we need those relationships too as well so December if this is something that you're interested in we're hoping to do it maybe every other month depending on the volunteers um, we're going to visit foster youth at local short-term residential home we need about 10 volunteers now if you're interested in volunteering or have a friend I say you but I'm please think about your extended family think about your workmates I mean what a great way to really impact people at work right is bringing them to serve but um if this is something you're interested in, you will need to go through the Hope Worldwide background screening. That's my job, and so you'll only need to talk to me, so it's not as scary as it sounds. Um, you'll need to either be vaccinated or have a negative test. Um, so if this is something that you might be interested in, I know several of us have done it in the past. Please, I'm, I have the, the QR code there. You can sign up. I'm going to put this on CCB as well. You can sign up there. I do also need um, donations to go towards gift cards for the boys that are there and also the meal. We always bring in a big meal. Um, you guys were so generous when we did the inner beauty. We were able to provide them with gift. I love giving gift cards because it's like, you know what you need best. And here's something that, and um, we come in with a meal. I mean, they're just so, what teenage boy is not encouraged by a meal? I mean, am I, right? Like, hello, Chipotle. Like, <laughs> you know, if I want to win my son over, I'm like, let's go to Chipotle. So, um, so I, I'm going to put that all in CCB. Another partnership that I've been working on, it's been kind of slow because we're the first people that are trying to serve after COVID, is remember when we used to serve at the Silverado Senior Center? We used to come and visit. If you had a pet and you wanted to bring your pet, you could do that as well. They're really excited to have us back, which is great. I mean, and Milo. I mean, who doesn't love Milo? Um, so, um, so I'm working with them. We're trying to figure out kind of the best, safest way to be able to serve there. So that's kind of in the works, too. You can also sign up at, um, at that website and just say, hey, I'm interested when the time comes of visiting in the memory care community. Something really cool in January, this is the last thing, is um, Hope Worldwide is um, 
is doing a Sunday for MLK Day, Sunday suppers. And this was really a brainchild of Martin Luther King and us being in our community. And so we're really asking people to think about, you know, maybe it's someone from church, maybe it's someone on your street, maybe it's someone that you meet, um, really having meals with people and um, talking about, you know, tell me about your life. Tell me about how you serve. Tell me about your holidays. And so that's something that we're going to be talking about kind of that's, um, that's coming up. So I'm really excited about that as well. So keep an eye out for CCB. All of these things will be up there. Um, they're coming up very soon. So if you go, oh, that's something I might want to do, like, like, you got to do it, <laughs> like like action. Like this is all really great, but we need action behind it as well. So please think about signing up. Please think about donating. Um, and then I'm really excited. Of course, our great Elaine Johnson has always been a champion in our community. And so um, Elaine's going to talk about seasons of service and some of the things that we're also working on in our community. Thank you. Great job, thank you. Um, Seasons of Service is this is our last one for this year, and we've been tr I've been trying to call and get uh, places that we can serve. So far, HIS, where we did a lot of work through the year, isn't open to any help yet. The uh, Downtown Women's Center is not open for help yet, and the HIS, which we've helped through years, is not open for help yet. Wilmington Middle School, where we brought Christmas and Thanksgiving and for years and years, and it was awesome. So what I'm asking is um, to be Sanders helpers. <laughs> and um, some of the places that I talked about do have sponsorship, so they don't even want Christmas from us. However, the one thing I'm asking to do is that we do serve not only the poor, but the underserved physically and emotionally and financially, of course. So this year, the Christmas uh, holiday project is to give gift cards to the Spanish ministry. Uh, Jonathan told me it's called the Spanish ministry now because the Bible says it's based on country, not language. And um, what I would as a mom and grandma, I would say, please include your kids in any way. I got advice from experts like the former Karen, <coughs> Karen Plymel's kid, uh, Catherine, and Olivia Maine's kid, Olivia Maine and her kids, they're in Boston. They're in Boston. <laughs> and some of the things they suggested, number one, is to have a jar or a box decorated in the house where the money goes and explain to your kids where it's going. They have everything they need right now, but not sure that Santa's, Santa's coming to their house, so we're going to be Santa. And uh, go in your neighborhood or set up a small table in your neighborhood and sell cookies or donuts or something, and the money goes in that box. Pay for their chores, even though they're doing it, but the money's going. This is not for you. The money's going to little kids who need it. And outside of church, after church, because we're not allowed to bring any food in, is sell the cookies and donuts. And um, I have several calls into all those organizations. They may ask us in at any time. But at this point, we're giving gift cards. Like Holly said, I'm not going to give a 15-year-old a uh, Lego set. 
we're going to give him a gift card so he can go to uh, Walmart or Target where we're buying them and they can choose what they want. So please give. The dates will be November 13 through December 18. If there's any questions, please call me. Plus, I'm always here. I'm so grateful for this family. We're so generous. For years and years, we've been giving to so many organizations that really needed us, and honestly, we really needed them. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Holly. You did a much better job than I would have been if you gave me, gave me some slides. So thank you. And uh, thank you, Elaine. Uh, so uh, we are going to uh, pray for communion together, take communion together. Just want to remind you again that uh, this is our, our family dinner table. And we've just heard a lot of news about our family around the world, uh, some of the needs. You might feel a little overwhelmed by all of it, but it's all, you, you don't have to remember all of that. <laughs> we know where to get that information, and we just, the main thing is we all want to serve, and we all want to remember that one thing, that very thing that unites us all, which is helping those in need. So as we take communion, uh, I just want us to remember Jesus and, uh, and how he modeled this for us, and how when he even came, he said, I came here for those in need. I came here to, to give myself away. And there's something that Jesus did uh, several times in the scriptures where he would take bread and he would he would break it bless it and give it uh and um and then that happened on the night of his betrayal he said i want you to do this in remembrance of me so just as jesus uh, he himself was taken broken blessed and given uh as the body of christ we each of us is are, we're taken we're broken we're blessed and we're given to the nations to help others and so when we take communion and remember his body and blood we can remember how we fit into that that we are the, the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and, uh, and being formed more and more into Christ. So let's spend some time meditating on Jesus, remembering him and who he is for the nations. God, thank you for this time to remember Jesus' body and blood given for us. And Father, I pray that as we uh, spend time in meditation and thanksgiving and remembrance, God, that it reminds us of our identity as Christ's followers to be like him, to give ourselves away on behalf of others. I pray that you would fill up what is needed in, our, in ourselves and in our hearts so that we can uh, fulfill the purpose that you have for each one of us. Bless this time of meditation and remembrance and thanksgiving. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.